Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 468, recorded live on Sunday, July 10th, 2016. And here are your hosts, the couple who went to a birthday party yesterday, Brian Beth Lindsley. Hello. Hi. And the guy who had his own birthday party yesterday, Andy Lowe. Hi. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Yes, my birthday is on the 12th, so in two days from this recording, I will now be 32. I love how long it took for you to realize which year. Like 31, no, I am 31, because it's, yeah, no, this is 32, yes. That's okay, I did the exact same thing yesterday at the the birthday party we were at. I'm like, we're 31! It's not wrong. You are indeed at least 31. It's just 31 and I'm going to be 31 and change. The change being another year. Yes. I remember at some point, I think I was a teenager at the time, somebody was asking me my age and I said, oh, I'm, I'm 14 right now and I'll be 15 in a couple months or something like that. And the person said something along the lines of, you know, at some point it, it doesn't really matter as you get older. You're going to be like, I'm 30-ish. A couple years, I'll be 40. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, it's like, oh, it's your birthday. Okay, that's what year? Yeah. But yeah, no, I had uh, family over to see our new house yesterday. Oh, cool. How'd that go? It was good. We had a classic picnic smattering of food. You know, so we had like coleslaw and hot dogs and hamburgers and potato salad and pasta salad. Did you oh, have a fire goodness. too? Uh, nobody stuck around late enough to do a fire. That's too bad. Did you guys make all of that delicious food? It sounds amazing. Uh, I grilled the hamburgers and hot dogs. Uh, I handmade the coleslaw, but the pasta salad came from Costco and the potato salad came from Myers. Completely legit. I'm yeah, just no. surprised they're two different places. Well, I love that pasta salad from Costco. Like, I used to go there on Sundays and buy, like, the big tub of it and then have that for lunch, for work, for, like, the rest of the week. So since it's my party, it's like, well, what do you want? I'm like, well, we got to have this pasta salad. I just mean, come on. It's his party. He can have pasta salad if he wants to. And this is how I know that you and I have been married for long enough. I was nearly going to sing the exact same thing. You know what's interesting though, Andy? When I get some of the pre-made food from Costco, I feel sick to my stomach afterwards. And I don't know if there's... don't know what it is. I I don't know. I, I've never actually had a problem with any of the food from Costco. Yeah. I feel bad though. You, you feel bad that I get sick? Yes. Oh, don't worry about it. I definitely do not have an iron stomach, so it could just as easily be um, other environmental factors that are not Costco-related. But I'm glad that you had family come over and see the new house and have a wonderful picnic. Oh Yeah, no, it's nice to finally, you know, because I haven't seen anybody. I think the last time we were all together was, uh, I think... Father's Day? No, not even Father's Day. That was, um, shoot, I can't even remember the last time we were all together. Ah, yes, uh, my 
nephew's birthday. It's always nice to get everyone together and eat lots of good food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kate made the uh, lemon cake again. Oh, nice. She actually thinks it's better in a regular cake pan than it is in the bunt pan. I think you should link the recipe for the delicious lemon cake in case folks are interested. Um, and also, I would like to try it in a regular cake pan. I will I will try and figure out. Kate's got the links to it, so I'll figure out where it is and I'll post it. This, I don't know what to call it, glaze or syrup or whatever. Um, I spilled a little bit on my hand when I was when I was making the cake and it was one of those right it was one of those instances where I licked it off my finger and I was like I could spill more of that just straight into my mouth that would be okay right yeah no that's it was one of those things it's like we lifted off the cake pan and I'm just smelling it going like oh I think Kate actually had some of it for breakfast as well that's an amazing idea lucky Kate so did the cupcakes come to fruition as well, or was it just lemon cake? Uh, lemon cake and some cookies. So there were no cupcakes as um, there. That's okay. It, it sounds like you were well covered in the delicious category. Yeah, no, I'm probably going to, uh, once we're done recording, have some more leftovers for lunch. Probably some of the pasta salad and um, some potato salad. Well, then I guess maybe we should get to things so we don't delay you from that. I have one vital question before we move forward. Is the potato salad more on the vinegar mustard side of things, or is it more on the creamy side of things? Uh, it's a red skin potato salad made with a mayonnaise base, so it's more on the creamy side of things. Mm, yummy, yummy, yummy. Oh, okay, of course, Kate is now sending you the link to the recipe, which I will now post. Excellent. I knew that I had the recipe, and I guess I could have just said I would send it to you. But then I thought, uh, I can't multitask very well. If I try to find it now, I'm not going to be particularly um, good at talking, <laughs> which I'm not really very good at on my own anyway. So huh. That's okay. Dave's not actually uh, able to talk right now either, which is why uh, he's not on the podcast. He got all four of his wisdom teeth removed. Oh no! I, I can I can literally feel his pain because I've had two removed. So you can feel half his pain. That is true. Yeah, I feel half his pain. I wonder, does it work better to get them all out at once? Because I've had four removed, but it was two at one point, and then a couple years later, the remaining two, well, two more. I actually had like five wisdom teeth. You're a mutant. That's your superpower. That's a pretty crappy superpower. It's a horrible superpower. It is. Especially, it's a superpower that I share with my family. Well, superpowers are genetic. I, however, am quite wise. I almost said quite wisdom, which made no sense. I am so smart. I am so smart. SMRT. Um, here's hoping that Dave heals up quickly and gets to enjoy some relaxation oh yeah going back to the lemon cake oddly in a weird loop thing when i had my wisdom teeth out uh the first time it was right around christmas and so everybody had delicious christmas food and then they pulled out the delicious christmas desserts 
and I was sitting there recovering and not really able to enjoy much of anything. And so my mom uh, had made sure she bought sponge cake for me. And so we, I had sponge cake uh, with milk mixed in and some sugar. And to this day, that is still like the most delicious thing I can think of. So with the lemon cake leftovers, I poured some milk on it and added some sugar. And it was really yummy that way, too. Nice. Yeah, the day after I had my wisdom teeth out, there was a uh, that was the opening home game for Western Michigan football. And so they always have what they call the calm university night where they have different groups can have like tailgating outside before the game. And so, you know, there was like the hot dogs and the hamburgers. It was the whole picnic spread. Oh. I'm sitting there going like, mm, I wonder how much of this I can actually eat. So I'm trying to like make sure to try and use my front teeth as my molars, which right. sort of worked. But we should probably yeah, actually get to topics so I can eat. Kate also offered that to make me food, but I feel like um, that would be weird if I was eating during the podcast. I, I believe Dave's done it before, hasn't he? I think so. I'm not exactly, you know. It's really interesting. And so I, the way my family socialized me uh, was definitely like, you don't talk on the phone when you have food in your mouth. You don't, you, you don't do that. And so when you're saying like, it would be weird if I was eating during the podcast, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, that would be rude. But I also know that's not what everybody thinks. No, very true. I say do what you need to do. Especially because I know you did a long run this morning. Well, let's go through the topics and see where we go. Okay. Should we talk about Pokemon Go? Because I swear literally half my Facebook feed is Pokemon Go topics. Yeah, I I fully agree with that. Like, there are people that are playing Pokemon Go that I did not expect to play Pokemon Go. People that I'm like, really? For example... um, Ray's little sister is playing it. And I'm like, I didn't even think you played any video games. Okay, so here we go. I've I've opened up my Facebook feed and I've gone to the most recent topics. Let's just see how long ago before I have gotten a Facebook post about Pokemon Go. 19 minutes. It has been 19 minutes since somebody has talked about Pokemon Go on my Facebook feed. Well, I have to be completely honest. I have not played um have either of you been playing i don't have it installed yet i have not been playing it um because it's basically just a different version of ingress right i love the idea of it i also love um that in our friend chat uh we got that message saying that um a couple of our friends had gone walking. Yes, even one of the friends who de- generally isn't interested in going out and walking because of Pokemon Go. Oh, of course. I, I love how you censored their names when they've definitely been said multiple times on this podcast. Uh, I wasn't sure. I didn't want to point fingers. So uh, yes, for those of you who don't know, Pokemon Go is now out in the U.S. And while it seems like there's a great deal of fun to be had with it, there are certainly some some drawbacks that people are experiencing uh batteries being decimated is part of it um and also on perhaps unexpected leg pain from nerds being tricked to go outside and exercise 
I've also seen stories of people finding like dead bodies and all these other awful things while they're out on the road or going to church, even though they've never been to church in years. It's, it's honestly just, it, it's ingress redux is what it is. Cause I still remember hearing all these stories from the first time ingress came out as, you know, people are like, Oh my God, it's destroying my battery. Oh my God. I'm, you know, was accidentally, you know, you know, arrested by the police for trespassing on some crazy government property or something like that. Yeah. I mean, the big difference here is it's also got the nostalgia of Pokemon behind it. And it might be a different story if there were other Pokemon games for Android and iOS, but this is the first time you can do Pokemon portably without being on Nintendo legally. Yeah. I still love that, though, where some of the Poke stops are church. That that church one is hilarious. So I'd say, um, unsurprisingly, like um, another interrelated news with like apps and buying things because you can buy Pokeballs on the Pokemon app. Um, it's <laughs> it's uh, there are only about three point five uh, percent of gamers make those in-app purchases. Which doesn't yeah, it, really surprise me. It's kind of funny, though, because everybody's talked about, like, oh, yeah, no, like, Candy Crush and all these other people are making, like, money hand over fists from their mobile games. And then you're like, well, wait, that kind of counteracts the, 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 the study here that says, you know, only 3.5% of gamers actually buy something in-game. Yeah, but we're talking, like, 3.5% of a couple million. That is true, yeah. So there is 3.5% of... Oh, uh, let's see. The uh, they studied uh, 100 million users, so 3.5 percent of 100 million is still a decent number of people. 3.5 million. Yes, that actually would work. Right. I found it really interesting that iOS users are almost 50 percent more likely to spend any money than Android users. That seems like really interesting to me. Um, it doesn't because and. And iOS cost money, basically. There are very few apps that don't. So they're already in a place where they're spending money to get apps regardless. Secondly, Apple typically has people who are richer than people who get Android phones. Yeah, I was going to say the iPhone price versus, you know, a new Samsung S7, but then it's actually not really. Andy, were you able to catch what Brian was saying? It seemed like... It kind of cut out a little bit for the first part of. No, I got the get the the gist of it was the fact that you know there's not a lot of free stuff on the Am- Apple App Store, okay. and the fact that you know iPhones are high end pieces of equipment, so they're already you know used to actually dropping money on things. Yep, I was thinking more disposable income. It seems on the iOS side of uh, the study. Speaking of disposable incomes, it looks like Kickstarter, um, the subcategory for video games, is not reaching as much money as it used to. And by a lot. That one is, it's kind of surprising how quickly that went down. Now, I'm kind of curious if it's because most of the good games that people wanted to see have got it, have gotten onto Kickstarter already, or if it's because there's been a lot of failures that people haven't delivered what they had promised. I'm not sure because according to them, same number of pro- more or less the same number of projects have been funded 
year over year. But the amount spent last year at this time was $20 million. So far this year is $8.2 million. But I mean, the number of uh, games doesn't necessarily mean the quality or the demand for games is the same. That is true. It's trying to think of like the top Kickstarter games from last year. You had like the big ones, didn't like Psychonauts have one and... Um, Mighty Number no. 9. Yeah, Mighty Number no. 9 was last year. Hyper Life Drifter. Oh, God, Super Hot was there last year. Oh, Exploding Kittens. Shenmue 3. Yeah, these are big names nowadays. Yeah, the Double Fine Adventure, Mighty Number no. 9. So I haven't heard of anything like that for 2016. Well, I guess System Shock is one. <laughs> I clicked on uh, the link uh, to see additional information about the tiers, and there's this wonderful little statement a semester equals a half year from the latin semestris of six months not an american high school semester you heathens it's really funny as i looked at the top the most funded projects and it's like oh there's oh yeah whatever happened to that it died there just wasn't any games for it and the lag was too great from the input to the output yeah that's weird you actually can't search kickstarter by date I'm sure there's some third-party website that you could probably get the information from. Probably, but not really interested in looking that deep into it. Right. So, yeah, okay, so looking more at the total amount pledged per tier of funding, it looks like, yeah, it's the big $500,000-plus games that really haven't shown up this year because it looks like the other ones... You know, zero to ten thousand, ten thousand to fifty thousand, fifty thousand to a hundred thousand, hundred thousand to two fifty, two fifty to five hundred. All of them look pretty much the same year to year. Yeah, it's it's just those big ones. Yeah, it's the the double fines, the the number nines, all those. It's just like oh, there were no triple A indie titles or Kickstarter titles. That sounds like such an oxymoron. Yeah, triple A titles. But granted, how much money did uh, Number Nine make? A lot, four million. Four million, right there, would put you almost a third of what's already been spent this year. Yeah, a little under four million. Okay, sorry, a half. I can't do numbers today. This has just been a bad morning for numbers. Four million is half of eight point two million. Have you guys actually kickstarted anything recently, or no? I haven't kickstarted anything in the last um, two years, I think. I'm actually still waiting on a couple of kickstarters to get going. I think the last thing we did, we did the, uh... oh, the Pebble Watch. We kickstarted that. What is the Pebble Watch? It's like the my uh, Android watch, but just a third party. It's supposed to use, is this one use e-ink still? I do believe so, yeah. It's supposed to have like a week-long battery life on it. Dang. Yeah, the Pebble Time 2 has an e-ink, but it's actually a pretty good display. So let's see, what else do we have money-wise? What's going on with this NVIDIA card? Should I buy it? Um, I don't know. What do you have right now? A laptop. Then no? You kind of need a desktop for it. I know, but I've got a desktop case that I haven't done anything with. I think you need a little bit more than that. Like a hard drive, a motherboard, CPU. RAM. Power supply. 
copy of Windows. Yeah, you could run Linux. Really? I, I, I know there's like games out on Linux because I see that category on Steam. But I just feel weird, like going really. I I could run Linux, I think, but it's. It all depends know. on what games you need to play. But um, so it depends on what you're hoping for for a graphics card. I actually just got a built computer that has the 1070, because um, I was hoping for something with so I could power some VR stuff. If you're hoping for just like the bare minimum VR or to be able to play games at PS3 or Xbox 360 levels, then this would perfect be perfect for you. Well, I think the only game I really want to get now is Civ 6. So I have a feeling I should be okay with the laptop. Um, I hope so. Uh, I imagine Civ 6 will probably still have the same kind of mode as Civ 5 did, where you can look at the resources and it's a little less resource-intensive. Uh, actually, no, they removed Strategic View. Oh, no. I know. I know. Well, that might be a problem for you, Andy. I, I started playing Civ 5 in Strategic View just because that's all I could run with my old laptop. But now it was like, okay, I can run it probably with this current laptop, you know, at the regular graphics settings. But I just kind of liked watching it in strategic view. It's like I didn't need to see all the fancy little graphics stuff there. I just needed the hardcore data of, okay, there's this resource here. There's this guy here. That's all I need to know. Andy doesn't like his games pretty. I mean, for goodness sakes, one of my games is Democracy 3. That game is just literally bubbles and lines it's the spreadsheet simulator yeah it's it's like a spreadsheet simulator mini metro is fun and that one is just lines and circles and squares and triangles space chem is basically just circles lines and arrows so what i'm hearing from you andy is you're basically stuck in the atari age of graphics these kids with the newfangled realistic graphics Speaking of older stuff, uh, Apollo 11's, the source code is now on GitHub. Which, did you actually read the story of how it got onto GitHub? I actually didn't. I think it's the Quartz article at the bottom, which, yeah, is is the one that I was reading earlier there. Because it's literally like thousands of lines of code written in assembly language. Oof. Which is funny because the, the first two art, the first paragraph in this other article is like when programmers at the MIT Instrumentation Laboratory set out to develop the flight software for Apollo 11 space program in the mid 1960s, the necessary technology did not exist. They had to invent it. So not only is it like you know just an esoteric computer language written in assembly, but uh, it was all written down on paper because this is the 1960s. It really and, makes you wonder, like if what the code looks like today for NASA because they don't have to go through all this craziness. No, they don't literally have to basically create their own language. I do love some of the comments that are on the GitHub repository. Like um, one developer submitted the issue, a customer has a fairly serious problem with stirring the cryogenic tanks with a circuit fault present. Be aware that this may be hazardous to the tester attempting it. Which I love how somebody responded with, oh yeah, this was fixed in Apollo 14. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah no when this code was first released somebody actually took the assembler language and uh scanned it into 
just a, a thing there. And it was so bad of a scan that they couldn't actually use any optical character resignation, recognition. So somebody had to hand type in all the stuff. Jeez. And it looked like um, some of the scans had made certain parts unreadable. So he had to kind of backtrack and fill in the blanks using his, his own engineering skills, which was cool. Yeah, no, and then he found some replacement scans for those parts, and he's like, oh, I did it right. Yay! Which, if you know, can basically reverse engineer what NASA is trying to do with their code. I do believe you are a good computer programmer. I think you deserve a merit badge for that. One of those badges on Code Academy or or, uh, Khan Academy or something like that? I was thinking an actual patch that you could sew onto your bag or whatever, but yeah. So speaking about possibly getting a gold star, whoever did the planetary calculations for getting Juno to Jupiter nailed it. Right. So cool. One point, was it 1.7 billion miles traveled since it was launched, what, five years ago? Yeah. I can't even imagine how, how like... If you were to try to shoot a gun like that, you'd have to be so freaking precise. I loved the Google Doodle for when um, Juno successfully made orbit. Oh, with the uh, emojis and everybody excited? Yeah, it was cute. What's really sad, though, is the fact that, you know, Juno's going to be flying around Jupiter for a bit, and then literally when the mission is over, its last mission (laughs) is going to be to literally just throw itself into Jupiter. Right. They don't want to worry about contaminating Europe. Or is it Europa? The moon. Oh, Jupiter's got tons of moons. Right, but there was one in particular that looks like it might have life. Oh. Yeah, it's Europa. That would make sense with the water on it. Right, and they don't want to contaminate that so when they look for life later, it's not our life. Yeah, that that would be bad to, you know, go... Wait a second. This is this is Earth based. What's that doing all the way out there? But uh, I think Beth, you were the, or was it Bry who linked the one about the the politics in NASA? Yeah. Um, sadly, like even though the 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 president has basically said that um, this success is part of his like looking into science, this is the last thing that NASA is going to do similar to it for that's on the books. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like NASA's budget is approved by Congress and, you know, originally submitted by the white house. It's like, ah, it's sometimes you're just like, really? uh, Why, why are we letting Congress dictate the budget for NASA? Because that's the way it's always been. I don't know. Well, the article you linked had uh, a link to another article that was done back in May 12th. It talked about, oh, yeah, one of the guys, um, you know, earmarked $30 million for studying of this one specific thing. So it's like, okay, yes, you have cut down NASA's budget. But not only that, you have like said like a quarter of NASA's budget must be done for this. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, let's see, 2010. That year, the Senate bill proposed a $687 million budget for space technology. Of that, the bill designates how $189 million, more than 25% of the total budget, should be sent, spent. And people wonder why NASA doesn't get much done. 
<laughs> also in this other article, it said that uh, most of the people spoke to Ars Technica anonymously because the guy who's in charge of the budget has been known to wreak vengeance on people who disagree with him. All were granted an anonymity because Shelby, who chairs the Appropriations Subcommittee over NASA's budget, has outsized power to punish those who openly oppose him. Science and politics, man. Really? Yep. But yeah, no, uh, Obama should not be taking any credit for Juno because, like we said, it's been in space for five years. Well, that would be during his presidency. You're right, you're right, you're right. It was, it was it, uh, Curiosity was the one that he had, was taking credit for, and it was like, no, I think most of that was set in stone before you became president. So speaking of space, um, Sulu was recently made into a gay character, apparently, for the next movie. And George Takei didn't really like it. Which is funny because he was made a gay character in the movie. It's kind of an homage to George Takei. Right. Uh, George Takei said something along the lines uh, um, that he didn't want to sully the original vision for the character. That he played Sulu as a straight man, that the war had Sulu as a straight man, and that he really wished that they had created a new character. It's really interesting, the the sides that people are taking on it, because there are some folks who are saying, like, yay, we actually have some um, LGBT representation. Huzzah! And then there are some folks who are like, I understand what uh, George is saying, and I support it. It's really, really interesting. I think the part that I disagree with is when they say that they did it in honor of Takei, he says that he had told them specifically, don't do it. So to me, that feels inappropriate. You don't do something in honor of somebody if you know that they're not going to, if they, if you know that they don't want you to do it. I kind of feel like it would have been worse if they added a, a new character that was gay. People would be like, you're just pandering to the crowd. I really liked the suggestion that Kirk is gay. Well, that would be an Excuse about me, bye. Well, that... Well, I could see that. For what it's worth, I'm glad that they made a male character gay. I feel like um, if they had tried to make a female character be bi or a lesbian, it there's, for whatever reason, it's more acceptable. And um, some folks who would be stridently against a gay male character are willing to accept a gay female character because they think it's hot. So I'm glad that they at least went the harder route to make a gay male character. I think it'll all depend on how it's actually portrayed. Because it, if it's a negative aspect of the character, like based off the storyline, then it, it could do just as much damage as if it didn't happen at all. Well, if I, if I remember reading one of the other reports about this, is that there's just a scene shown with him with a male partner like caring for their child so it's not even like something that's really i don't think it's really story driven i think it's just one of those like probably during uh like a montage sort of sequence and that wouldn't bother me (sighs) and this also goes along the lines where i think wasn't there also times during when next generation and Deep Space Nine was going on. People were always trying to like claim, you know, Roddenberry's vision would not allow this. I'm not too familiar with any of those outbursts. I do 
know that there were a couple of characters in the new versions that were skirting the line between homosexuality or possibly even just transgenderism. So, uh, is it Dax? I remember was one instance. I don't think that there's terribly many, though. It's hard because what this this issue is wrapped up in how much does the original creator's vision have to inform people who are continuing to build out that universe. And I know that Star Trek did it, you know, it had its the first mixed race kiss on TV. It, I wonder why it didn't try to bring in issues of LGBT, LGBT issues. Oh, they, there was literally like stations in the South that wouldn't even play that episode of just the interracial kiss. So it's one of those things where it's like, okay, yes, I know Gene's got his vision, but he's also living in the sixties. It's like, mm, there's some stuff that you probably still couldn't talk about at that time. And I, go ahead. No, you first. And I was going to say, I'm not sure that we should hold up the original Star Trek as like the bastion of what Star Trek should be, because there was a lot of problems with the original series, like Kirk being a womanizer, among plenty of other examples. Yeah, that's something that I was actually thinking about uh, just a few minutes ago, which is that I really, I've always hated that Kirk is a womanizer. I've always hated it. And I feel like it would be so much better if we just got rid of all the womanizing BS. And I don't know. I feel like adding a LGBT character is a good step. Um, I just, there's some problematic stuff in there that I wish they would also address. I, I feel like we could almost take this line of, you know, Gene Roddenberry versus what the Star Trek universe is now. You could almost even compare it to Star Wars with George Lucas and the new Star Wars with J.J. Abrams. It's one of those things where it's like you can kind of go, yeah, like you said, how much rights do a creator of a universe have on what the public accepts of that universe? And this gets into the whole um, fan theories and all that other stuff that kind of branches off from it. It's an interesting thought experiment and conversation, but I don't know if we'll get to a conclusion in this podcast at the very least. Oh, you, it's one thing that's always evolving. It all depends on, you know, what the next thing there is. I mean, for goodness sakes, um, guy who did Independence Day was also the guy who did uh, Stargate. It's one yep. of those things where he never was really a fan of the Stargate TV series, but that kind of just took his little nugget of an idea and they just ran with it and people loved it. And now they, he comes back saying, it's like, oh yeah, no, I'm going to reboot Stargate and, you know, do this, that, and the other thing. And people are like, mm, I don't know about that. I think that it's a good step made with good intentions. Whether or not it turns out well, I think we're in agreement. Well, it, wait, we have to wait and see. No, that's not very true. A, Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, this is not one of the links that we currently have, but it's kind of related, and so I just wanted to bring it up. Um, Overwatch uh, had a statement uh, that one of the characters in Overwatch is gay, and there's been a huge uh, rumbling of, you know, which one could it be? Who is it? And the fact that 
they let us know that there is a gay character, but aren't identifying which character it is. Just comparing that to what happened here, I think Star Trek is heading in the right direction with actually providing some visible representation. Well, we could actually kind of combine these two topics together to another one that I've got listed here of video games and movies. Oh, yeah. Because the man who used to be the CEO of Ubisoft Motion Pictures um, has decided that he uh, is going to specialize in creating video game movies. I thought it was cute that he's naming it after his daughter. Daughters. Oh, I guess you're right. He said his 10-year-old daughter already wants to be a film director. Hey, that's how Steven Spielberg got started. Somebody just gave him a camera as a kid, and he went to town. She it sounds like hurt. a firecracker, too, because she wants royalties since he took her name. Nice. I wonder if that's a good thing or not, because, I, you know, yes, Warcraft, you know, did a respectable $420 million worldwide, mainly because of the Chinese audience. But I, I'm just trying to think of, you know, the, the good video game movies that have been out. I'm trying to think of any good ones. I have to bring up the list because nothing's coming up in my head. I mean, Resident Evil was good. Street Fighter was so bad, it was good. There's going to be an Uncharted movie coming out. Right, there's an Uncharted movie coming out, an Assassin's Creed movie coming out. I think the Tomb Raider, or the Lara Croft movies with Angelina Jolie were not bad. No, those weren't bad at all. I I watched the first Hitman movie, that was so-so. Did you guys watch the Angry Birds movie at all, or no? No, I haven't seen that one, nor the Ratchet and Clank movie. I saw the... I saw the Go Ratchet ahead. and Clank movie. That was, oh, that was something. I can't tell. Like, you sounded at first like you were so excited and happy about it, and then you ended on a sad note. Well, they had took basically the plot from the first game and put it into a movie format, but I don't know, it's just most of the jokes just, I, I just didn't get it. There's also the Pokemon movies. That's a series that has done well. Ratchet and Clank, so far, uh, worldwide totals of just under $12.5 million. Interestingly, that I'm, I'm looking at the, the list on Wikipedia, and the Angry Birds movie had a higher Rotten Tomatoes score than Warcraft did. Huh. The only one that beats it is Final Fantasy Spirits Within. Did not expect that. I just, I just don't know how I feel about this, because it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, video game movies have just really not been... Great, but this guy is saying, like, yes, I realize video game movies have not been great. And, well, I don't know. Ubisoft, when they actually um, were discussing the Assassin's Creed movie, they're like, we kind of don't care how much money it makes. We just want to get the brand out there for more people to know about it. Which means you got to make an actually good movie. Well, it, one of his statements that I'm struggling with is he says, uh, studios have had difficulty recognizing the need for the stories to have a universe universal be universal. Most of the time they try to copy the video game story and or characters, which is exactly what should not be done. I don't know if I really agree with that. I imagine a lot of folks want to go to see the movie and have the characters still be the same. I don't think it's the characters that he's referring to, but the actual story. Like, do you need to see, for example, Master Chief uh, do the exact same events in Halo 1 in a movie format? Or would you prefer to see things that are in the same universe but not necessarily the same as a game that's already out? And Andy, to, to be fair to video game movies, um, 
we started off with really, 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 really bad movies. And we're now we're getting to a point where they're okay movies. Yeah, starting off with Super Mario Brothers and the Street Fighter movie, you're like, ooh, that's a that's a bad start. I'm more thinking of all the Uwe Boll movies that oh, happened yeah. all the time. So, like, these these newer movies are a million times better than those were. So it, it might just be something that needs to grow into the genre. No, this, this could be interesting to see. What it's, it's like one of those things where it's like you have, you know, the, the video game movies are bad and you always had those movie based video games that were also bad maybe they just have to stay in their own little two separate worlds i think only time will tell uh is there anything else that you guys want to hit before we move on to the random review and random topic uh nothing that we need to talk in depth i think we can go quickly through them things like uh the evolve video game is now free to play so you don't have to buy it is is that the one where it was like a what do they call it a uh, not a lopsided asymmetric asymmetrical game. yeah asymmetrical multiplayer yeah one person's the big monster and then there are four people trying to take it down it it's looks not, like an interesting game that I would love to try out but I wasn't going to get any of you guys to buy it for sixty dollars so maybe it's something we can try now that it's free no yeah if it's free I I'm, I'm all about free stuff to try it out at least once. Oh, yeah. Speaking of free and cheap, did you guys buy anything at the Steam sale or no? I bought a couple of games, but not any big games. Yeah, normally, normally I like I go through like, you know, on the last day and I find all the really cheap games to buy. But it turns out this year, all the cheap games were exactly 50 cents. And I'm just like, hmm, because normally you can pick up some of them for like seven cents and 12 cents and, you know, 15 cents. But no, the bottom price on all the games during the sale was fifty cents. To be completely fair, I have such a backlog of games that I don't think I need more games at the moment. Yeah, I'm opening my Steam just to see how many games I currently have in my library. But of course, you know, Steam had to update. Of course. So I stare at the progress bar moving. Makes me feel like I'm at work. Um while that's loading, we can uh briefly talk about the other things uh google chrome now comes uh with the google casting baked in which is nice you don't need a plug in for it anymore it seems i need to update my chrome then you could hear Numa purring <laughs> um chinese counterfeits on amazon are making the real brand uh be more difficult to find and people are hopping off about amazon because of it which is really too bad yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, we'll make it easier for Chinese, you know, manufacturers to sell their stuff on Amazon. <laughs> what happens is you get a flood of Chinese counterfeits. Right. And then it looks like some Japanese cars going forward might have just um, video cameras instead of mirrors. Which is kind of, I. it's one of those things like, I remember uh, when I moved out of my parents' house, I always had, you know, posters I had put up from the, the Detroit auto show from like years and years ago. And that was one of the things you always saw at the auto show was like, Oh yeah. On any concept car, it's like, yeah, we have cameras here instead of rearview mirrors. And it's like, Oh, that's a neat idea. When's that going to get implemented? And they're like, we don't know. So now finally getting it implemented is like, Oh good. This is, you know, welcome to 1990. I'm still wary of it. Cause if it breaks, like you might have issues. You won't have as many problems if it's, a physical-based thing as opposed to a digital-based thing. 
That is true. Yeah, no, your wiring could go bad and then you'd have to replace all the, you know, the if your mirror breaks, it's pretty easy to get a replacement mirror for your car, which is kind of surprising when people, you know, put a hand mirror in there instead. Yeah, I think I would have preferred it to be a supplement instead of a replacement. It's one of the things is like, okay, what what is not having a rear view mirror or side mirrors actually save you versus the cost it caused you need to put into the car? Right. And my, my Steam library just opened. 350 games on my Steam library. I still Jeez. have you beat. 453. Jeez, Damn. guys. Can you add subcategories to your game solar so I could take all the games that I finished and put them into another category and be like, okay. I have no idea. You can set categories. And then you can click hide this game in my library as well. So yes, you can. Oh, I should do that. I should go through all the games that I know I've finished and just hide them from my library. Set categories. Here we go. All right. All right. Well, that'll be nice. Yeah. So there's two more links that were included. One of them, the sitting and smiling. I definitely did not watch all four hours of this person sitting and smiling, but I did jump through the video. And it was really interesting seeing how his shirt got darker as the time went by, because I'm imagining he was sweating. And it's making me curious, like, is the sitting and smiling that uh, that active, that that's what's causing him to sweat, or is he just in a really warm room? But yeah, four hours, sitting and smiling. This guy's done it many times. It's an interesting hobby. He raised money in a Kickstarter to do this. Tried to, but it failed. But he did it. He went ahead with it anyways. 220 videos of himself sitting in a corner and smiling for four hours at a time, really? Yeah. <laughs> One of the comments for the 220th uh, video was along the lines of, this is the best video yet. This one has I mean, had 38,452 views. I mean, it's kind of crazy to to put yourself through that. I couldn't imagine sitting and smiling for half an hour, yet alone four. Yeah, I'm curious what the purpose of the exercise is, because he's maintaining really good posture. I'm sure it's very good for his body for the sitting part. But for the smiling part, I imagine that hurts a lot. So I don't know, like, is it an attempt to be meditating? I just don't know. I do know that there's some yoga practice where you're doing something similar to this. He's getting like 21,000 views. I'm looking at 217, 21,000, 216, 13,000, uh, two, yeah, 212, 17,000, sorry, 18,000 views, 211, 19,000 views. But I don't. I doubt that all of those people are watching the entire thing in full. Yeah, no, it's probably just people, you know, just playing a bit and then having that be it. It'd be interesting to see his metrics on it because that's something that YouTube provides. So you could see how long they watched, what parts they watched the most, that kind of a thing. It's pretty extensive. Um, so I'd be very curious to see how that looks. Um, I know I when I watched the little bit of this that I watched, I have a plugin that allows you to watch videos um, faster than what's displayed. And I did it at 16 times just to see uh, 16 t- times speed just to see if he deviates or sm- like gets out of the pose. And he did not in the entire like 
half an hour that I looked at. I was actually quite impressed. That's crazy. Switching gears, um, I actually saw the article about the cancer um, cure potential. And so part of me was like, let's keep an eye on this because I'm pretty sure this is how uh, I I Am Legend started. Um, And so there was an article about the cancer therapy leaving three dead. And so the FDA has called a temporary halt on it while they take a look and see, you know, how can, how can they avoid more folks dying? Um, really interesting stuff, though. Specifically, this was looking at treating acute lymphoblastic leukemia, but it looks like there was also another study being done for, uh, I'm sorry, the other piece of the study was for pediatric acute lymphoblastic leukemia. So it's focusing on the leukemia side of things, um, but really, really interesting stuff. And um, so far, there's like a 94% remission rate. So that's really good news. And here's hoping that they continue to improve it and make it safer. Which is weird because in a study conducted earlier, it said 94% of terminally ill patients who were treated with this uh, went into remission. So it's one of those, it's like, whoa, that's a, it's a bit of a flop going from 94% success rate to uh, three people dying already. Well, this is what happens when you're on the edge of medicine. Yep. Literally, the last sentence says, science is hard. That's, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. One of the comments on this article suggested that we try to make some sort of memorial for the people who are involved in the studies like this. Um, It's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know that um, the folks who are terminally ill, they're taking this because it's, you know, a potential benefit for them. Still very brave. Were there any other items we wanted to discuss before we moved to the random wrap-up things? Um, well, there was an article that was just posted 22 minutes ago on Gizmodo saying that an armed robber used Pokemon Go to find nine different victims to uh, oh, rob goodness. them at handguns. What? About eight or nine people have been robbed by foremen over the past couple of days, this spokesman from the police department said. The latest robbery occurred on Sunday morning around 2 a.m. by men in a black BMW before they were finally apprehended by police. The suspects used the Pokemon Go game to find their victims by anticipating where people might go through the popular Pokey stops. Um, so they would just wait at the Pokey stop and then rob people. It's interesting. They say four men, but their ages range from 16 to 18. I love one of the comments a little bit further down. The spawn camping is without honor. It's a picture of Worf. I love the other one was, you think logic would dictate not to go play Pokemon Go at 2 a.m., which would make sense. Where did I see? I think it was on Reddit where the guy was like, I couldn't sleep. And so I got up, went for a walk, decided to, you know, play Pokemon Go. Uh, was so involved in it that I didn't realize that I had walked past two guys on a bench in the park. And they were like, hey, man. And then I started to get really worried. And then they told me where to find this Pokemon. And so then they started talking. And then the police showed up because it's actually really uh, suspicious looking for three grown men to be in a park at like three in the morning. And it ended with the cop downloading Pokemon Go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was probably Reddit. Oh, goodness. All right. So we should probably hit the random topic and random review. I think so. Yes. Uh, random review. I'm going to review Master Lock Locks. 
well, first off, uh, just so people know, the master lock combination locks have been hacked and figured out how to unlock them. That's not new news, but I'm just want to make sure people know. Um, so they're combination locks, not that secure. And then uh, we got master lock locks for our house. Because we got a new house. First thing we want to do is, you know, change the locks. And the um, instructions with the locks on how to install them, not that great at descriptions. Oh. So uh, one of the locks, we had to extend it so we could, you know, get it to fit in the door right. And the, the thing said, it's like, oh, yeah, just do this and it should open up. And we're looking at the lock going, that's not what this lock has. It's like, I, I don't I, I don't know how to extend this thing there. So it took Kate and I, I think, probably just like a half hour of doing some Googling, YouTube and the whole nine yards till finally one of us figured out how to actually like twist it to make it bigger. Yeah, no point did anywhere in the anywhere in any of the instructions tell us that we had to twist a thing in order to extend it out. So their their <laughs> their instructions were horrible. And after getting the uh, two locks and two deadbolt locks installed, all with you know the same key, so we have one key for the house. Um, the, the lock on our side door would not unlock from the inside that's terrible so whenever we needed to leave the house we always would have to leave out through the front door and then we could still go in through the side door because we could you know unlock it from the outside but still that was a bit ridiculous especially since we had installed it for like i yeah it was within the first two months so have you tried other locks or just or is this just your frustrations with your current locks? It's frustration with our current lock. Um, and also we sent, you know, uh, an email to Master Lock going, hey, this brand new lock that we just bought failed within, you know, any sort of acceptable period of warranty that you could possibly have. And it took them a while to actually respond to us via email. And then they went, we don't know how old your lock is. Which we had told them, hey, we just purchased this lock on this date. Sort of. And so they finally said, oh, yeah, no, we will send you another lock. Which we then had to tell them again what type of lock we had. And, yeah, it took two weeks for them to actually send us the first replacement lock, which um, was the incorrect style, color, and key. Oh, no. Jeez. So that was no good to us at all. So then we had to send another email to them going, hey, this lock you sent, it's not right. This sounds awful. So it took a couple of days for them to finally respond to us going, but we sent you a lock. And we're like, yes, that lock doesn't work. And then it took three weeks from that response for them to finally send us the correct lock with the correct key in the correct style. So for the past couple of months, we've been having to do this circular motion of leaving out one door, coming in through another. But things are better now? Yes, they're better now, but having contacted them on April 30th with this original problem, not having it fixed until June or sorry, July 8th, that's a bit much. Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of master locks anymore. Yeah, I don't blame you. That's just really frustrating. Yep. 
so master locks if you if you already have one they seem to be okay three out of the four locks i guess are good but yeah no the combination locks people know how to hack them there are all the instructions to do that are online i've unlocked master locks that i don't know the combination to within a half hour and that was the taking the long version and it also turns out that their door locks for residential properties are actually owned by another third-party company but they still have the master lock name so it's not even you know the same master lock as your combination lock is so yeah master lock it's a big no for me sorry that review was a bit of a downer but i just wanted to get that get that out there no worries. I think it's important to have reviews that um, are honest, not just always positive ones. Yeah, Kate brought up the point. They also kept on calling her Katie, even though she was emailing them from an email address that was listed as Kate. So. Oh, that's bad. So yeah, master locks. No. So, a uh, random topic. Rolled ahead of time. What is your favorite line from a film? I think I have to go with, what's your vector, Victor? And that, the rest of that phrase. Oh, is it, what's your vector, Victor? It's the over, under, or shoot? Roger, Roger. <laughs> we have Clarence, Clarence. Roger, Roger. That's a pretty good quote. For me, it has to be Princess Bride. Why do you keep saying that word? I do not think it means what you think it means. Both because... In the movie, it's hilarious, and it's so appropriate in day-to-day life. So I'm looking at the American Film Institute Top 100 Quotes of All Time. I'm not sure I like any of the ones here that are on the top ten. You don't like May the Force Be With You? Uh. It's funny, I find myself from time to time saying things like, here's looking at you, kid, or frankly, dear, I don't give a damn, and I've never seen those movies. Trying to think of the lines that I've used recently from movies. I didn't know I could have been a contender was from On the Waterfront. Oh yeah, Marlon Brando. I could have been a contender. Oh, airplanes there on number seventy nine. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. Don't call me Shirley. Yeah, it's what made me recall back to the Vector Victor conversation. There's a Houston. We have a problem. That's used all the time. Oh, there's one that I've used actually recently. Of all the gin joints in all the towns and all the world, she walks into mine. I've actually used that a couple of times over the past couple of weeks. <laughs> wow. I just started to shorten it of just, of all the gin joints in all the world. So I think that answers the question. Yeah, no, I think I'm going to have to go with the line I've actually used recently. I'm looking at the list of 100. Wizard of Oz is in there like three or four times. So is Star Wars. Yeah, no, I'm going to have to go with that one. So, uh, yes, I feel like this is now another successful podcast. Bri, Beth, thank you for uh, covering for Dave. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you for having us. Hopefully Dave will feel better next week. I hope so. All right. Well, I guess uh, that's a wrap then. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast, or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.